so I guess I kind of answered my own question. It's kind of like, why would I have kids if I know they're going to make me sad and they're going to do stupid stuff and, and make me sad? And You know what I mean? It's yeah, almost exactly. like I get it. I get it now. It's our, almost like Our job thing. is complete, Brian. We right? can go home. <laughs> I think there is. <laughs> Victory. Welcome to Talkin' Truth, the podcast that brings together conservative pastor Brian Clark and famous comedian Dan Whitney, a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy. And the best-looking one at this entire deal. They'll be talking truth about the Bible and life. Now let's join Brian for today's look at God's Word, followed by conversation and a little fun with Brian, Dan, and today's guest, Pastor Nat Crawford. Now, here's Brian. It's common today for people to believe that all roads lead to God. In other words, we should all be allowed to define God our own way and to decide for ourselves how to get to this God of our own making. We refer to this as pluralism, and it's a reflection of our determination to be our own God. We'll define God how we want, and we'll decide how to get to this God. But here's a question worth pondering. What if it doesn't actually work that way? The late Dallas Willard, professor of philosophy at USC, used to say, reality is what you bump into when you're wrong. You can believe whatever you want, but in the end, reality wins out. That's why it would be good to figure out what's true now. It stands to reason if there is a God, he is, by definition, absolute. In simple terms, that means he's in charge, not us. The lie of the serpent in Genesis 3 was that Adam and Eve could be their own gods. They could decide good and evil. This belief was illustrated in the way of Cain and his descendants in chapter 4. In chapter 5, we were introduced to the godly line of Seth, the people who walked with God. These are the two paths that bring us into chapter 6. Sadly, the two paths merge into one path of rebellion against God. The text puts it this way, And the Lord God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. The text goes on and tells us that God was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. We are told that violence ruled the land, and it had become the law of the jungle for everyone. Now that raises some interesting questions. What would you like God to do at this point in the story? Should he just sit by and watch the violence devastate people's lives? It's interesting how often it's the same people who reject God for allowing evil in the world that condemn God for stepping in and judging evil. Seems God can't win either way. Thankfully, God was unwilling to simply be a bystander and watch people's lives be destroyed. It was time for God to put a stop to this evil. If everyone was evil all the time, as the text states, then the momentum was full speed towards destruction. 
the human race was lost unless God stopped the momentum and started over. Part of the risk of creating people in the image of God is that they can choose to rebel against God. They can choose evil over good. They can choose hate over love. What happened in the world simply gives credibility to the fact that people did legitimately have the freedom to choose their own way. So now what? The text tells us God was grieved. He looked at what these people who chose the way of Cain did to his paradise, and it broke his heart. This isn't what he wanted. God knew he had to stop the evil, or there was no hope for the generations to come. He determined to send a flood to wipe out evil and to start over with one godly man by the name of Noah. Again, the text uses the language, Noah walked with God, taking us back to God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden. That's what God has always wanted for people made in his image. While many see this as a picture of God's wrath, what I see is a picture of God's mercy. God stopped the momentum towards evil so the coming generations could experience his goodness. Another way of saying this is that the only reason any of us choose God and his salvation today is because he stepped in so many years ago and stopped the momentum of evil so that we might experience something different. So God instructed Noah to build a massive ark. While the ark was real, it was also a picture of the promised salvation to come. Those who enter the ark, which would be Jesus, will be saved from the judgment of God. So God waited for 120 years to send the flood. Now think about that. For 120 years, God warned the people to turn from their sin or be lost in the flood. For 120 years, the people watched as Noah built the ark. They mocked, laughed, and insulted both Noah and his God. While so many want to sit in judgment of God for sending a flood, the truth is there is no one listening to my voice that would have been so patient with these violent, vulgar people for 120 years. That's unbelievable, really. God's heart was not to judge, but to save. But the people traveling the way of Cain refused to listen. So yes, they did experience the judgment of God, in his justice, he will deal with evil. Yes, judgment is real. No amount of denying that makes it go away. If someone broke into your home to do harm to you or your family, wouldn't you expect justice? How could you respect a God who turned a blind eye to the evil that had caused so much pain in your life? But what God wants you to experience is his mercy his salvation. That's the whole point of the story. He offers you a place in the ark if you're willing to trust him and receive his salvation. 
Let's bring in Dan and Nat, and let's talk about this story. All right, guys. So this is one of the classic Old Testament stories that people read and conclude that God is a God of judgment, this angry, wrath, wrathful, hellfire and brimstone God. And uh, often I end up in these conversations with people as a pastor, and I ask them the question, well, this was a world filled with evil, with murder, with devastation, with violence. So what exactly do you want God to do? Do you want God to sit and watch? Do you want him to stay out of it? You know, what, what do you expect a loving God to do? The reality is God is a God of judgment. Hmm. God help us. <laughs> Wait, no, not that way. <laughs> you know, uh, well, this all boils down again to people are idiots and complete morons. Generally. That's what we've been saying this whole program. <laughs> uh, you know, it just boils down to what this whole podcast has been about. Genesis. You know, mm. you either believe that God created the heavens and the earth, or we're just here by some random act. Right. And uh, if you do believe that God created the heavens and the earth, and you read the Bible and you understand it then you will understand mm. why God did the things that he did. You won't understand all of it because even God says, my ways aren't your ways. I mean, when you believe that God created the heavens and the earth, and then you get to understand that he's merciful and he held off his judgment for as long as he could because he doesn't want people mm. to be away from him. Mm-hmm. And then you look at where we're living and space and how how he created all of this. It's like, you know what? This is way beyond my pay grade. Mm. I'm going to let God deal with it. If he said it, I believe it. And, you know, he can tell me about it when I get up there. Right. Uh, but I think I'm with Brian. I think he shows mercy. He, I mean, we're talking about some evil people. I mean, you haven't seen anything like they saw back then, which is described back then. I mean, we're going through some stuff now on this uh, this day and age. It doesn't hold a candle to what they were doing openly mm-hmm. back in those days. So I can understand, I'm with Brian, to, to hold off hundreds of years knowing that's happening and knowing that little kids are going to be born and have to go through and see and participate in what is happening, to let it go as long as he did, that is uh, because he wants somebody. He wants to save somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm with you, Brian. I-, I think it shows unbelievable love and mercy. And only people that think he is a horrible, mean God literally don't believe in Genesis, and obviously uh, don't understand God's grace and forgiveness. Well, whenever you make a caricature of God, unfortunately, you're probably cherry-picking a text, and I think we see that a lot with people, especially when they talk about God being a God of, of, of wrath and vengeance. As you said, God is a God of judgment. He is. He has to be to be, uh, to be God. But when you really look at the text of Scripture— 
I don't think you can really make a strong case that he's throwing lightning bolts, you know, from heaven constantly. If anything, you're going to come away like Jonah going, what are you doing? You are patient. You are long-suffering. You are kind. I mean, that's really the picture that you get in the Bible when you read it from Genesis to Revelation. He is patient, right. almost to the point where some, some days I'm like, are you even there, God? Look at all the clowns around us, all the poor decisions being made. When will justice come? So I think if we're honest and we really look at Scripture, you'll get a more rounded viewpoint of God. You'll see both that love that mercy, that grace, and that justice. But I think by far you can say God is a patient God. And in my humanness, that frustrates me sometimes. I don't know if that's true for you guys. Well, that he's patient. Yeah, because you look around the world, and like you said, there's some crud going on. <laughs> yeah, Once, you want but right. as you want that, justice. Whack that guy. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why we watch those movies. That's uh, right. The superhero movies, because they get vengeance while you're watching. Bingo, <laughs> right? Bingo, that's what I'd we want. Them. But But isn't it funny, though? But when we talk about ourselves... We want that law. We want that mercy. We want that held off. And I think that's a good place for us to to be when we stop and put the mirror back on ourselves. And I think that helps us then to look at other people and say, God is desiring these people to experience salvation. Get in the ark, just like he was patient with you. We need to desire that for other people. So how are we at bringing that good news to other people? I, I'm challenged by that. Well, I am too because I look, I feel the same way. It's like, look, he's I've done enough garbage in my life to where, hey, thank you, Jesus, you know. But then again, you look at others, you look <laughs> at some situations, you're like, look, I get that I did this. That guy's killing people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? what? I mean, at can we just one time right. have a little justice while Even I'm Stephen. watching Come the on justice now, God. happen? Come on. But see, then you would be excited in the justice, and it would make you happy. And you shouldn't and be happy. And we're not happy. supposed to. Right. Well, you shouldn't be happy that someone has lost their soul. Hmm. You shouldn't be happy. Human nature says, <laughs> but it's not right. Hmm. And, and again, that's how awesome Jesus is. He forgives you, hmm. you know, shouldn't act like that. Hmm. And you realize, I shouldn't act like that. Then you struggle with acting like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I, I think it's helpful to think about this idea that God is loving, but he's not wrathful, because it doesn't even make any sense. It's precisely because he is loving that he has wrath. So think of it this way. I have a wife and three daughters. If someone broke into my house and did harm to them, it's because I love them that that would make me angry. Right. Uh, if, if that doesn't make me angry, then I don't love them. That's some sort of form of indifference. And that's really what this text is about of evil people doing evil to God's good creation and God stopping it. Hmm. You know, that quote earlier you had about Willard, it's fascinating um, that it seems like a lot of people today, they're not running into into those walls, they're running into almost clouds simply because people have drifted so far from 
truth and reality, right? It, it just seems like we don't even live there anymore. Uh, love. Ask ask anyone on the street what's love. You'll get a crazy variety of answers. Love mm-hmm. is a feeling. Love is a duh. Love is sex, and on and on and on. And I think for a good many people today, people view love as a world without boundaries. But as we know from our own personal experience, whether it's from a wife, a friendship, or you name it, love must have an element of judgment and boundaries. Otherwise, it's not love. Absolutely. There's there's agape love, God's love. And there's worldly love. Right. Worldly love keeps changing the goalposts on what love is. So right. nobody knows what love is kind of like a human weology. <laughs> whatever it, whatever I think love is, that's my theology. Yeah. This is the weology. Right. You know? But the Bible will tell you what true love is. God is true love. Right. And there's no changing it. It's one goalpost that you're kicking at constantly. Mm-hmm. The worldly love is whatever, whoever says it, well, today this is what is good. Right. You know, yeah. it, it, when the goalpost keeps changing, it's hard to live up to all of this. Yeah, the world that we live in is is constantly judging based on our performance. And like you said, unfortunately, the performance standard is always changing. Mm-hmm. That goal line is always moving. It's never enough. And But that's not how it works with God. God says, no, 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 no. I love you no matter what. And as the Bible says, Perfect love casts out all fear. That's that is freedom. Absolutely, and and just the fact of what was, even I mean, this is historical. You can go through history books and see how violent the world was mm-hmm. during those days. You know, even closer to us, even in the 13th century, the tw- <laughs> I mean, it's horrible. Yeah, nobody wanted to live during those days. You know, so just the fact that he held off. For so long, I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. And I don't, Brian, I don't want to send you down a rabbit hole here, um, but wh- I think it should be addressed because there'll be people listening to this that then they'll say, "Well, why in the world? Why was God sad that He made people when He already knew what was going to happen? He already knew." What's gonna? Be, he knows everything. He knew he was gonna send Jesus. It's like, why would he be sad? He already knew it was happening. He knew it was going to happen. Why would he be sad? And yeah. I, so that's a great question. So God is mysterious, and there's lots of questions we can't answer. But throughout the Bible, biblical writers attribute human emotions and feelings to God as a way to communicate a truth. Uh, we talk about anthropomorphic terms to God, so we have some understanding of God in those moments. So certainly God knew in his foreknowledge, in his sovereignty. There's questions we can't answer with that. But the text says that God was sad. He was grieved. It's a it's attributing human emotions to God as a way of saying God's not indifferent, but this broke God's heart that this is what people did to the world that he created. So it's just a way for us to try to understand to some degree who God is. Well, and we're all parents in this room, right? So we understand what it's like to have those moments, both in the frustration, 
but also in the sadness when you see a child rebel, right? It grieves us. Even in the car this week, our kids were going nuts. And I looked over at my wife and I go, why did we ever make these things, you know? <laughs> no. It, but, but you get it. Though You uh, go, yeah. th- this is my special creation, and it breaks my heart. You know, that's a great correlation because you literally, that's what it's almost like. It's exactly. like, well, look, I can have kids, but I know they're going to make me sad. Exactly. I know they're going to do stuff I'm going to tell them not to do. I know they're going to do this. In the long run, though, if they grow up and they listen to instruction and they and they in the end, they're going to have uh, they're going to be married and they're going to have kids and hopefully they're going to have a wonderful life. So I guess I kind of answered my own question. It's kind of like. Why would I have kids if I know they're going to make me sad and they're going to do stupid stuff and and make me sad and you know what I mean? It's yeah, almost exactly. like I get it. I get it now. It's our, almost like our job thing. is complete, Brian. We right? can go home. <laughs> I think there is <laughs> victory. I think there is a difference between sad and the evil and the violence these people were doing. I mean, mm-hmm. clearly God, as God, knew this was coming, but it's in other ways. It's another way where we realize that these people were legitimately made in the image of God with the freedom to choose, and they chose evil, but he didn't make robots. Uh, But he also, and Nat, you said it earlier, that that he sent a Savior. Hmm. There's an ark. There's still time. If you're listening to this today, there's still time. Get on the boat. Enter the ark. It's not too late. So God has pretty much done everything and doing everything he can for you to get on that ark. Yes. Thanks for listening to Talkin' Truth. Brian and Dan will be back soon with more episodes, so be sure to subscribe. Today's Talkin' Truth is powered by GoTandem, the free spiritual fitness app. Download GoTandem today and get spiritually fit. Get it done.